even though we've been at different places in our learning process, we've understood the struggles together, we've experienced them, we can laugh about them together, and then, and our mistakes, we can laugh about our mistakes together, and then remind each other of the things we're learning. Hey everyone, I'm Mary Lynn Kinderberg, and welcome to Language on Purpose. For today's show, I talked to an extraordinary couple learning Portuguese in Brazil. Since I just happened to be their language learning coach, I have an insider's view of their language learning journey. And so I asked them to please share their personal story with you. Can you guys describe your language learning situation, your program, um, how many months in? We are nine months in to focus language study at a language school. I have classes at least 10 hours a week, depending on the month. And then along with that, we have used some supplemental tools and then trying to learn language in an organic way in the community alongside our language school. So Scarlett and Jordan did a combination of joint and separate classes between two teachers. Then, they tapered off the joint classes and increased individual sessions. Pretty consistently, they take off one day a week. Twice a month, they've met separately, not jointly, with me as their language learning coach. And I will tell you to Scarlett's credit that despite pretty extreme morning sickness, she kept on attending classes. Scarlett has added a third teacher to meet with her one-on-one. -on -one. She explains why. I knew that I needed a little bit more one-on-one, -on -one, especially before the baby came, um, and because I just learned better one-on-one. -on -one. And so we added an extra teacher whose learning style kind of, or whose teaching style kind of matched with the way I learn. What are the things that you feel like are unique to each of you as a learner? So when it comes to grammar and sound systems because of studying linguistics, I can understand what's happening with the language, which is really a strength, but then it can be difficult for me to actually apply that language in real time. Like I can fill out charts, but I can't necessarily use the same structures in real time. Scarlett went on to say how she really benefited from verbal practice in a classroom setting that focused on specific grammatical structures. And for me, my learning language, at least, is very in real time with real people, in real situations. And so while I really benefit from the class time and the homework that we've done, applying it in the community was what really helped me to learn the language. I'm more of a big picture thinker. And so sometimes the little details I can forget in the midst of a sentence. I can understand what people are saying mm -hmm. very quickly, even if I don't know all the words. And that has gotten better with time, but it's been pretty consistent that I can usually understand the majority of what's being told to me. But that right brain can be difficult when I'm going to speak because I forget and Portuguese has so many little pieces to it. And there were times where I would, do more of the speaking and Scarlett would do more of the listening. So we joked that together we made like a one good language, one student. good language student. It's really great. 
how have you used those strengths to help each other? When we started, it was really helpful that we had different strengths because yeah. when we'd go to the grocery store or things like that, I would literally be explaining to Jordan what someone had just said and he would be responding because he was just better at all the little words and details and things and remembering words that I'm like, how did you even know that word? Um, but then I was better at understanding, which is also not just language, but it's kind of reading people because I studied language and anthropology, like just the ability and have lived overseas single that helps my ability to kind of know what people are asking of me. Like we would have a repairman come and Jordan would have practiced all the words for repairs, but I'll be able to understand that thing he's throwing out that we don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And so together as a team, especially when we first got here, I think now we don't use each other as much other than like having someone, each other proofread something or think about the phrasing. But at the beginning, especially we kind of worked with each other's strengths to, navigate life, I think. Yeah, definitely. How do you think you help each other to be a better language learner? I think we challenge each other. Um, There are times when maybe one of us doesn't want to do something, but the other person does. Um, Or if the other person's shy to do something, then the other person doing it will kind of maybe that healthy competition, which helps to push us forward. Um, And then certainly it's been nice to just have another person under the same roof all the time who's in the same boat as you. Even though we've been at different places in our learning process, um, we've understood the struggles together. We've experienced them. We could laugh about them together. Um, And then, and our mistakes, we can laugh about our mistakes together. Um, And then, remind each other of the things we're learning. It's kind of like having another student, but another teacher under the same roof roof with you all the time, because you're learning from each other because you're grasping things at different rates and you're grasping different things at different times. So I think I probably take more risks with language, but that usually means I take, I end up with more errors, but then Jordan will help me be like, well, you could do this. And so we push each other in different ways, sometimes by correcting each other in kind ways we actually learn a lot from each other and so each other's mistakes are creating opportunities for learning Mm -hmm. do you guys ever like cross the line in correcting each other yes we've gotten better we've gotten better i think i do it more than you though i probably get more annoyed with it than you do jordan's much more gracious so if i say something he's like chill with the it, but if he says something, I'm like, I just trying to get language out right now. Yeah, I think I, I think I go over the line sometimes. But you're trying to be helpful. I am. It's in good intentions, but it's not always the wisest thing to do because it doesn't always encourage the other learner. So I asked them if language learning pulled them further apart or closer together. I don't necessarily think it makes us further apart or closer together. I think it's just like one more life experience we're experiencing together and so all the things that kind of make our relationship work we're pulling on and then Mm. the parts of our of our marriage that it's like oh we got to work on that make it weaker so it's like a um it's it's sanctifying yeah but i also like it's (laughs) it's also really nice because some of like we really enjoy 
doing things together. Yeah. And so learning together, I think, is really nice. And it's, I mean, how many, how many couples get to learn anything together? That's true. Let alone a language, you know? And so it's, it's, I think it definitely can expose some of the brokenness of our marriage, just like every marriage has some or brokenness. Any stress can. Any stress can. But I think it's also like a really rich experience that we'll have in our like. It's also interesting because history. we were a little bit nervous before we moved here to Brazil that um, like we had never spent this much time together. I mean, obviously we spent time together, but we had separate jobs and separate offices. Um, and so we were like, ooh, and COVID was probably good preparation for that. But how is it going to go us spending every day, practically all day together all the time, mm-hmm. and then having our lives enmeshed by being kind of in the same workspace and things like that? But it's actually gone pretty well. It has. I'm kind of surprised, to be honest. We've had some rough points for sure, but it's... But it's actually kind of nice well. because we we really like being together. And I know, like, obviously in the classes, sometimes it was helpful to have separate classes, mm. which makes it important to realize, like, when you need space and when you need to be together. But the actual total package of language learning, I think, has been a really nice season. Different, yeah. awkward sometimes, funny sometimes, yeah. but nice. I'll just throw this in on a personal level. When Eric and I were in the Quechua village in the middle of nowhere in the Andes Mountains, we were by ourselves. We didn't have kids. And it was super, super hard. But pulling together as a couple in a really, really difficult situation, it really was one of the coolest times in our relationship. What are some of the things that you have been successful at doing together? I think about how we really like people. I like people more like having them come into my space. Jordan likes to go out and meet every person everywhere, but both of us really enjoy people. And so I think that made it a lot easier, even though sometimes we had to adjust like how much we went out or how much we had people in and figure out what worked. But like, there was never a time where neither of us wanted to see, like, for a consistent period of time, didn't want to see anybody. Like, mm. that never happened. So I think that was kind of nice that we made relationships with people together. I think those have been good ways that we've learned together. Because inevitably, those interactions bring up tons of learning things. Yeah. New words, new phrases. Even sometimes when we come home, we'll realize, like, oh... Did we misunderstand that or point out in a kind of way like, oh, maybe you could have said it differently this way or things like that? I think I think that too, not just those relationships, but those conversations that happen either before or after those meetings with people. Yeah, like it's like unintentional debriefing. <clears throat> it is. It's like language debriefing. And I think that has been huge. And sometimes after class too, we do it. Um, especially when we had the classes together, we we debrief about cultural things, debrief about language structure and words and if we texted this and if it made sense or what we said, what we heard. So that debriefing has been, I think, super helpful to our language learning as a couple. I think so. 
It was yeah. kind of unintentional, but it did It happen. was. I think it's kind of, again, that's kind of who we are as a couple. We debrief about everything. about everything. And so we just carried that into our language learning. And I think it, it, it was beneficial. Tell me the practical things that you've done together that have worked to do together. We watched a show together, which was good for just following, but then we would sometimes freeze it and describe what was happening. We started out in our TV with um, Brazilian Jeopardy, and we would play along with it in Portuguese. Oh, Wheel of Fortune. Sorry, yeah. We would play along with it in Portuguese. Um, Scarlett was exceptionally good at it. It's kind of amazing, considering I didn't know the words, but... But it made it kind of fun, too, because it was a game, and we were watching it. When we were doing a lot of flashcards, Jordan does more flashcards now than I do, but when we were doing a lot of paper flashcards, we would act them out together, which did help learn them. Before we go someplace, often we prepare together, I think. Well, we also, and this is more of a, like, the past three months sort of thing, but we have sometimes been asked to share in Portuguese at places, and so I think... For us, in general, it's really important that we are both doing things together in ministry. And we've always been like that. That idea of, like, we serve together. We just think that's really important for us. It's not important for everybody necessarily. But And so when we were asked to share, almost always except for one exception, we tried to, unless it was explicitly stated for one of us or the other person, we tried to do it together um, which I think doesn't always happen, especially in mission communities. A lot of women don't well, don't get put like don't get given opportunities, and then their language suffers because of that. So, but instead, because we were doing it together, we both prepared. We talked about what we wanted to say. We broke up the sections, and mm-hmm. we both prepared separately. But we were doing it together, and then we presented together, which I think was really important. Even times when I was just presenting, you would help me work through the words in the Portuguese that we would do it, oh, that's true. We would do it together okay. even. So finding those opportunities and making it a task that we can do together as a couple. I've heard you say that you don't want to use the other person as a crutch. So yeah. can you talk about how you've actively worked against that? We try to make it so that I'm actively answering the phone. And even if I don't have it 100% correct, that I'm responding and doing it in real time because it's always a really fast conversation. We'll We'll kind of rotate who checks out at the grocery store or things like that just to kind of mm-hmm. make sure we're make sure I'm not just unconsciously letting Jordan do things or vice versa. Or vice versa. It goes both ways. Yeah. There are moments where I'm like, are we ever gonna get this language? What do you say to each other to encourage each other? I think we remind each other why we're doing what we're doing. We try to remind each other of the strengths, like our our wins. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. It depends on how we're feeling the moment. I think um, we try to give each other perspective, too. So I feel like we have parts of our brains that are very steady. But then we have parts of us that are very like, this is just the worst day ever. And Yeah, sometimes the other person just needs to vent. And that's okay. Like, sometimes yeah. we're just frustrated because I made the same mistake six time in a week and I'm frustrated and I'm just saying it and like Scarlett just listens but sometimes that we do say to the other person like hey think about where we've come sometimes one of us will point out like well you couldn't do that two months ago Mm -hmm. or something like that so I think 
I really think perspective giving usually is the most helpful. I wanted to go back to what you were saying about using each other for a crutch. But are there situations when you have felt like that's a healthy thing to do and that's okay if Jordan, for example, can handle their repairman and all that vocabulary? Are there times when you just have said, great, that's your area? Great, this is my area where you've chosen to just let the other person do that. Sometimes it's just more pragmatic. Like if Jordan has made the appointment with the guy who fixed the AC, he just carries on with that, especially now at this stage. Or sometimes like if it's a medical visit, I'll do more of the talking. Yeah, Yeah. you're usually better at those. Maybe I might help every now and then in a medical visit. Usually you're understanding more than I am. And I'm explaining to you like what the ultrasound tech is saying or things like that. So I think sometimes things naturally just because of like um, maybe just pragmatism end up falling on one of us more than the other. In social situations, we really try not to do it because like, how do I, I think because that's like language that we both need to know. Yeah. You know, like, For better or for worse, we're living in a culture, a lot of, most cultures in the world are really gendered. And so while our marriage isn't super gendered, the world we're living in is. And so sometimes I'm like, you know, it's not going to kill me. I don't even know the words in English for like certain repair things. So like, it's fine. And then obviously at the obstetrician, Jordan's not going to know some of the words because it's like a whole new world for him. So I don't know if we should put that in the podcast or not, but like. Sometimes we need to rest. Mm -hmm. And like, that's important to the language learning process. So if you need a day to rest, then I might end up doing more of the speaking or vice versa. Um, We both had days where, you know, I'm just done. And you kind of took over. You texted whoever we needed to talk to. You, Mm -hmm. You scheduled the meetup with our friends, you know, but the next day, maybe I did that because you needed to rest. And so you kind of have to go with the rhythm of of your needs on any given day. And I know you, you don't do everything together that you've been intentional about that. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I'm, I'm part of a men's prayer group and Scarlett's part of a women's prayer group. Um, So that offers us a chance to just practice by ourselves, the language kind of make some different friends too. And I think that's healthy to do. We don't have to always be together in this language learning process. Um, But the majority of our time is together, for sure. Is it okay to ask you about competition, comparison? Yeah. Yeah. So on the exterior, I'm the more competitive person, although that's not necessarily true because when we play games, Jordan refuses to play games with me sometimes. I lose every time. So he's competitive too. Um, So like on one level, my frustration with competition, and I knew that going in, like that was a concern of mine when we were at pre-field training and things like that. But I said, oh, I don't know if this is going to go because I've never entered a field with someone who's also the closest person in my life, who's also, I already know, going to have an aptitude towards language because I know Jordan. And so I was like, not going to go well and I verbalized that we talked about a lot like how do we 
manage that because I was like, it's going to happen at some point, yeah. which it did happen at certain points. Um, and I think, I think it wasn't as big of an issue at the beginning. And then we hit some blocks that made it a little bit of a, of an issue, but I think in general, we really tried to, to only use competition when it's useful. We're trying to leverage the competition aspects of our personality rather than letting them run rampant. Yeah. And then to mitigate the negative effects of competition many times we're trying to like we'll like highlight where the other person is doing better mm-hmm. um which is helpful like like sometimes i feel like in language learning it's just an act of humility and recognizing like there's always going to be someone better than you and you might just struggle like very intelligent people might just really struggle to learn a language and that's okay but i think Many times we try to mitigate the competition by pointing out where the other person's stronger. For me, sometimes, like, especially when we're doing classes together, if there was a particular area that I was struggling in and Scarlett was excelling, I would use the competition to push me to get better at it. Um, if I was just in the class by myself and that happened, I might just get frustrated and be like, hey, I'll, I'll, one day I'll work on this. But the fact that Scarlett was so much higher, doing so much better in that particular area, it pushed me like, you know what? I want to get to that area too um, in this particular area. So that pushed me in a healthy way. But in that moment, I wasn't like, oh, I'm so horrible. Scarlett's so good. And, and then in the moments when I'm excelling. I usually have that feeling when Jordan's excelling in a joint class. Though. One of the things we did to mitigate the competition, we, we decreased the amount of classes we had together. Yeah, that's true. And that that was helpful to us. It was creating unhealthy competition between us. Also, I was not absorbing as much information because it was matching Learning Jordan's style. learning style yeah. and not mine. And competition is dangerous when you tie it to like your self-worth. Yeah, which is hard in language learning because all your friends, most of the things you do, like your job, your friends, your relationships are all based off of the degree to which you can communicate, which is not always just language, but it is a big piece of it. Have you been in situations where the other one is complimented and that's been hard for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Usually Jordan is complimented. I think one thing that I like that I've seen you do, Scarlett, is that when I'm complimented publicly, maybe I'll like try to belittle it and then you'll encourage me. You'll be like, no, you're doing a really good job. And so like, I think that's one of the ways to combat that competition, yeah. like praise the other person. It's not easy to do. And so I think that says something about your character. Um, but I think that that's probably helped us. It's because it, I've sensed that tension because I didn't solicit the compliment. It wasn't my fault that they complimented me. But then I felt, oh, man, what about Scarlett? She's doing a great job, too. I want her to get that praise. And so I'll praise her. But then she'll also praise me, too. And I think it, it helps kind of balance out that tension between us and I think it is I mean language learning is hard in general and so it is hard when one person's being complimented and the other person isn't competition is something that I think we'll have to revisit constant every couple of cycles because new things will come up and new environments will come up and especially as our roles become more set with a child I spend the majority of the time outside the house. 
um, when Scarlett was sick. Like I was the one doing the shopping. I was the one doing that kind of thing. Um, I picked up these like language tools that kind of slang, but not always slang. And I realized that when I used them, it gave the impression that I was a much better speaker than I actually was, which in some ways was good because it opened the door to more conversation. So I continued to use those. Scarlett didn't necessarily get those because she was doing her language learning here during that season at, mm-hmm. at the house. And so I think sometimes people think I'm a better speaker when really I just have a few tools that Scarlett doesn't have that gives the impression that I'm better than I actually And they are thing Actually, that's true. You said that as a couple, it was an inherent danger to create your own little cultural bubble. Could you just explain what you mean by that? Sometimes we need a bit of a bubble. Sometimes the bubble is a little important to your like mental health during this process. Um, but there's a danger of becoming too dependent on the bubble or spending too much time in the bubble. Mm-hmm. And so I think allowing each other to rest and use English and watch an English movie now and then. Um, but then also like pushing each other, Hey, like let's spend some more time in Portuguese or, you know, maybe we just want to hang out at home, but let's invite some people over and practice summer. Let's go to the coffee shop and practice Portuguese. And so it, sometimes that, that bubble is a little bit safe and you need some time in that, but we have really tried to push each other out of the bubble so that we're not staying in there too much. Um, And I think even more so linguistically for us, it's important to not be in the bubble because then if we're always in the American bubble, then we don't really have a good perspective on Brazilian culture. We want to understand, we want to love, we want to appreciate and celebrate Brazilian culture. And if we're never in it, we're not going to be able to do those things. And as a couple, there's a danger because you have this friend you have this safety net that you can always go to. You don't have to go out and meet other people if you're lonely. You can hang out at home and watch a movie or play a game and get that interaction. But even though we could find that safety within our relationship, we had to go out because we wanted to stay in touch with the culture and the language. Even though their bubble does provide a safe space to debrief and vent, they said they have to be careful that the process didn't evolve into negativism about Brazilians and Brazilian culture. They gave this example. One of them might say, wow, I just had this weird interaction and I have no idea what happened. But then try to not turn that into an unfair generalization like Brazilians are weird and we don't understand them. That's one thing that our teacher has really encouraged us then. He's like, be careful, and he's he's Brazilian. He says, be careful how you view Brazil and Brazilians. Mm-hmm. And he's saying it from a language teacher perspective because he says, if you have these untruthful generalizations, then you're going to start having a distaste. And wow. that's going to affect your language learning. That's a value thing. It's, a, it's an ethical thing. Um, for us, it's a gospel thing. But there's also a practical side of that. Like, if you always paint the culture in a negative aspect, you're not going to want to learn the language. And your your cultural stress is going to be much higher as well. And so you're going to be more frustrated in the language process. And so it's 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 for the betterment of our language learning as well that we have this perspective. I appreciate how you guys have worked at helping each other foster that 
kind of an attitude. One thing maybe that I wish I would have realized is just some of the areas that we are different. I knew them before this process, but I know them better now. You and I. You and I. And I think, while I think this process has been good and we've done well with it by the grace of God, I think had I realized earlier on some of our differences and been reminded of some of our differences, it would have been even easier for us. Mm-hmm. It would have gone even smoother. Because where we had issues in our language learning process was when one of us was like, this is how we should do it. This is how I want to learn language. This is how I feel comfortable. Let's go out. Let's do this. Let's do this. And the other person was like, no, like, this is not who I am. Oh, yeah, I need sure. this time at home or I need rest or, or I want to have people over rather than going out or I learn in this way. And so had I been more aware of our differences, I think it would have eased up some of those tensions. Again, we made it through them. Like mm-hmm. we've, I think we've done pretty good with our language learning process as a couple, but there's still some needs, some areas in need of growth. And that would have been one of them, I feel, had I been more aware of our differences earlier and that's where it's helpful to listen to outside voices. Because I think some of our yeah, teachers spoke into that. Yep. But like you guys are different. Let each other be different. Counselors. Mary Lynn. Yeah, Mary Lynn, our language coach, for sure, 100%. I wanted to know about them being warned up front about competition. I don't know. I don't know if it helped us mitigate it or if it maybe made it harder from the start because we were so afraid of competition. But... Maybe that's what kept us safe from it. I don't know. Our experience has shown that, like, doesn't have to end in, like, utter extreme arguments between spouses if you're learning. Right. Like, that's not, it doesn't have to be that way. And their advice to other couples starting out in language learning? Well, we're hesitant to give advice. I would advise going to counseling as a couple beforehand. There's a lot of value to getting that preemptive, preventative support we did that before you're going into this life-altering event you know you're going to move to a new country learning a new language as a couple and so it's going to be beneficial to do something like counseling beforehand so that you can better learn each other so that you can learn each other's communication uh patterns and, and learn how to better communicate as a couple before you go into this very high stress environment of language learning and i think advice I would give is like think holistically in terms of language learning as a couple if you don't have a strong marriage you're not going to be good language learning as a couple to quote good old Tim Keller he talks about how like you know like if your marriage is strong all kinds of crises can happen to you but you can navigate the world with a sense of security and stability Mm -hmm. amidst that like We've navigated a lot of things in life, good and bad. Um, Most of the things were circumstances, crises happening around us. But as long as we were good, the rest of the things, you kind of take it in stride. But I think that's hard to communicate because people think, well, language learning is a task. But it's, it's really like a whole way of doing life. So thinking about language learning holistically, both in the outcomes but also in the whole process of who you are and where you are in life and how you are relating to the people around you. And most importantly, how you're relating to your spouse, because that will affect your language learning process. Totally. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't close out this episode, of course, without asking each of them to tell their language learning bloopers. 
Scarlett told this one, and I quote, we were headed into a restaurant and it was during the part of my pregnancy when I needed to go to the bathroom all the time. I was thinking really fast. All I could think of was quick getting to the bathroom. There are two phrases you can say in Portuguese. Do you have a bathroom or where is the bathroom? But what actually came out of my mouth was, are you a bathroom? And Jordan added two of his. And again, I quote, there was a time when I said I wanted chicken feet instead of chicken wings. And then when asked why I would want chicken feet, I explained that, well, because I'm an American, of course, and that's why I want chicken feet. And then there's a time when I almost texted someone that Scarlett had good sweat when I meant she had good health. I'm Mary Lynn Kindberg. I hope, like me, you greatly appreciated the degree of openness and vulnerability expressed by Scarlett and Jordan in this unique interview. Listen to Language on Purpose wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or just go to our webpage, languageonpurpose.org. Subscribe and you won't miss an episode. Scarlett, Jordan, all of you out there, keep up the good work. Until next time.